0: back.
1: Heyo, and what's going on, Belly Up Nation out there? You are back for the BUFL Football Edition every other Tuesday night from 8.30 until... Whatever the hell we feel like it, quite frankly. <laughs> guys, what is going on? This is our first time we've all gotten together since the NFL Draft Stream, which is a huge success. You saw all of us on there at different times or another. Uh, I want to thank Adam and Chad a bunch for coming on during that and multiple occasions uh, because they're a big reason why I had the success that it had. And now we're back. Chad is going to be one of our permanent hosts of this show moving forward. We're excited to have that. Chad, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, guys. How about yourself? Doing great. Excited to get into our episode today, which of course is going to be our post-NFL draft rookie startup mock draft. I know it's a mouthful, but <laughs> the one difference we're going to have between this and the episode we had right before the draft is that this will be a super flex league. I got a lot of feedback about people wanting it to be super flex. It's about half and half when it comes to Dynasty Leagues. One quarterback, or just one quarterback, or they have the super flex. So we're going to get into the super flex, the value of it, so people have a good idea as they're going through startups, because this is prime startup dynasty season before we get into all that though chris how you doing today
2: i'm doing good how are you today excited to be here after after the draft um get to see where we actually stand with these rookies this year now
1: yeah and i actually thought we did pretty well our pre-rookie mock draft with where a lot of the guys that we selected wound up at adam what did what did you think and what are maybe some observations you had coming out of the draft were you happy about it were you sad about it were you angry about it give me some feelings on that draft for you
3: um. Yeah. I. I think it was a mixed bag. There were. There were some guys where I like the landing spot, uh, and some a little. A little less so. Uh, yeah. It is what it is. Uh. But yeah. I'm. I'm really glad to. To be on. Really glad to be talking superflex. I had. Uh, one of my. One of my startup drafts. Uh, last weekend, and I've got another this weekend, so I feel pretty prepared.
1: <laughs> How'd you do?
3: Uh, I feel really good about the one I just had. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, man, I'm really so gonna
1: sprinkle that little magic on us as we go through this. Before we dive into our mock draft on the day, though, I want you guys to know that today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. And I actually have to hit this drop first.
0: Breaking news.
1: They want you to know that this is breaking news because it's an important PSA that's brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your public service announcement and the news that you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and in Canada. I actually just got one, no lie. Used it in the shower. It was amazing because I had no cleanup whatsoever to have to deal with. And everyone, my cut, myself, my wife, everybody was appreciative of that fact, especially this new trimmer that was all released. It was just released a couple of weeks ago, actually. They're just now out for purchase. Has now joined the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. All you have to do to get the Lawnmower 4.0 is go to manscaped.com, put in the promo code bellyupfantasy, get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Trust me, the product works. Trust me, you want it. It has a new, sleek finish. It has a flashlight, the nice blade that you can put in the water. Everything about it is just exactly what every man would want for his nether regions. So make sure you guys go to manscaped.com, do promo code belly up fantasy, get 20% off and free shipping on your purchase today. It'll be one of the best purchases you ever make. I personally guarantee it because they thankfully sent me one and I am very, very appreciative. So, all right guys, let's get into our mock draft as I try to pull it up here. Now, I actually haven't looked to see where everybody's selected. Did we all select about the same Eric's I know I did.
2: I mean, you know I, I don't I, know. I, I'm right for somebody I, I think so. I, I think I'm about the same with, spot. Uh,
4: my, uh, I went with my actual draft position this year. I can definitely go back to 1-2, one, uh, one, I believe. No, You're no, the only no, one I, I, nowhere I, near I don't us. mind
1: that you picked a different spot. I was just kind of curious to see, mm-hmm. uh, comparing where we were last time to now. So as it's pulling up for me. Here we go. So we have Chris D, Chris DeHauer, in front of one spot in front of Adam, because he wants to snipe Adam all day long. They're both at the one... (laughs) They're both in the middle of the round. Now, this is going to be a start-up rookie draft, and why I have to make sure that's clear is that this will be a snake draft because it's a startup rookie draft, which, by the way, if you are a commissioner of a dynasty league, is the only fair way to do rookie drafts. Some people I've been in some startups where they try to do it linear and it doesn't make any sense. I'm like, why are you doing it linear? We're all starting up. Uh, make sure it's even. So that's my advice to you guys. Chad's at the 108, which means he'll be back at the two on the way back. And then I went with my pick that I had last time, which is the back end of the first round the 112, and the first pick in the second round. So again, this is a super flex league, which means quarterbacks going to have a lot more value. So it's going to be really interesting. That's why I, was, I wanted to stay in my spot because I'm going to be in a position where I'm not going to get into quarterbacks. So I kind of want to see how this winds up going. But judging where we are, none of us might get the quarterbacks except for maybe Chris. We'll see exactly what happens here with where we selected. So let's start the draft, fellas. Hopefully we don't have an issue like we did last time where we had the computer taking defensive players for absolutely no reason, I think. I, I, think I don't mind I adjusted that. the settings? <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. Well, yeah,
1: because we had a bunch of guys that dropped to us, right, Chad?
4: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, if I could just make the computer select, that would be awesome as well. Uh, while that's going on, Chris, off the top of your head, who is one of the guys that benefited the most from the NFL draft?
2: I mean, I think Michael Carter and the New York Jets. Um, looking at kind of where he landed. He's got opportunity to start. You got Tevin Coleman, who historically gets, you know, banged up by week four or five. Um, and then you have a guy who maybe when he gets out there, could be taken over the lead role. Um, and I think that some other people have benefited with the draft where the Atlanta Falcons, um, uh, Davis, uh, I think because they didn't draft a running back necessarily, or it might really threaten his job. I think he looks like he's standing pretty good in the backfield by himself right now.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with that. That was one of the guys that we were big on. Also, Glad to know who Chris might be targeting in the second round. (laughs) Everyone, Adam especially, put that out there because for you, that's going to be brutal. (laughs) Trying to get this thing going. Hold on. I got people lit me left and and right. This thing's a mess. It won't pick. I don't know what's going on. Technical difficulties. Boo on the host. Where's the boo button? Where's the boo button? Yeah, we're booing, booing myself here. All right, I think I have it set oh, up. Oh, look right at this. Look at this. There we go. There we go. Okay, Chris, you're on the clock. We'll talk about the picks that just came off the board. So this is Superflex League, and yet none of the computer players went with a quarterback. Jamar Chase comes off at the 101. We'll get to that. That's interesting. Najee Harris, the 102. Travis Etienne, the 103. Jalen Waddle at the 104. Those are the first four picks. Chris, are you picking because you're on the clock?
2: I <laughs> am picking.
1: So Jamar Chase 101, Chad, give me your reaction to that.
4: I mean, it's a solid solid pick, but considering this is super flex, I think quarterbacks are gold. you got to get those uh, top four or five quarterbacks in this uh, pretty quick. But I don't fault anyone for taking Jamar Chase or Harris in the one or two. Honestly, I don't. Those are excellent players who are going to have good years right from the get-go.
1: There, with these four players, there's an interesting name that didn't come off the board, and that was Kyle Pitts. So I'm kind of wondering what computer, what ADP they're working off of here. A- Adam, You would, wouldn't you, I mean, I would think I would. you would take Kyle Pitts over Travis Etienne at the very least, no?
3: Yeah, um, I, I've seen him uh, in one of the drafts I, I had. I think he went off at five, uh, was the first non-quarterback taken. And for instance, uh Waddle and Etienne were both at the the back of the first round. Um so I, I am definitely surprised to see him available and then those other guys uh taken. Najee a little bit less so uh and, and Chase mm. but, but definitely Waddle and Etienne.
1: Yeah, uh, Chris. You and I talked about Travis Etienne on the MD's Fantasy Football Show from 11 a.m. to 12:30 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network every Friday, and we talked about how Urban Meyer is lying his ass off when he says (laughs) he's he's not only a third down back. Exactly, James Robinson and Carlos Hyde are going to be the ones you punch, while Travis Etienne. I drafted him in the first round to be my third down specialist. What 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 are you talking about? What is Travis Etienne's real value for 2021 in your estimation?
2: I think probably like around an RB3. I think you look at kind of what DeAndre Swift did last year. I could kind of pin him in a similar situation. I don't think he necessarily has a great start to the season. Popeye guy you do want your roster at the end of the season. Uh, I think you're going to see him used kind of a gadget role probably in the beginning. And then as the season progresses, I think he'll be the lead back eventually.
1: Eventually or at the start?
2: I think. Eventually. Here's a better I question. Gonna... Do you think he'll have more carries
1: than James Robinson by the end of the year?
2: It'll be close. Um, I, like I said, I look at the Detroit situation, and I think it's very similar in a lot of ways last year where DeAndre Swift came in a situation where he, he didn't get most of the touches early in the season. You saw a lot of on Johnson. He saw a lot of Adrian Peterson rotated in there. I think you're going to see a similar kind of split, the, you know, and as the season progresses, you're going to see UTM become the guy as to day DeAndre Swift became the man down the stretch.
1: Yeah, here's what I'm looking at. I'm looking, in my mind anyway, the way this sets up, and at least for the first half of the year. As, as, it gets, as you go on to the year... You know, barring injuries or maybe Travis Etienne taking over, I don't know. But for at least the first half of the year, in my mind, is a 60-40 split when it comes to the carries between Robinson and Etienne, favoring Robinson. But then on reverse, a 60-40 split in favor of Travis Etienne, maybe 65-35 when it comes to the passing. Chad, do you disagree or, or agree with that at all?
4: Well, you know what? I was actually reading something interesting on uh, the coach. There, he comes from the Belichick Bella line, and he's been quoted many times saying he loves to use multiple running backs. So, I think that he's. I think it's going to be a pretty. I think it's going to be a pretty even split. I wouldn't be surprised if ETN comes out on top, but but, but I don't think he's going to come up on top by a lot.
1: Adam Jalen Waddle went at the four. When you look at a Jalen Waddle, and let's compare him to Devonta Smith because that's fun to do because they come from Alabama. Why not? But because of, Devonta, because of the fit Devonta Smith fell into, for 2021, right now, I'm kind of doing my preliminary projections. He's my top-ranked rookie wide receiver for 2021. Not, not for Dynasty, but for 2021, because of the situation he found himself in with the volume. Is that enough for you to want to take a Waddle – over Devonta Smith for the long haul—is he in that much of a better situation, or because you know Devonta Smith has a chance to be the number one pass catcher on his team right away? Would you go his way for now and the future?
3: Um, I think I think, uh, I think you can go either way. I think at that point it's uh, pretty much up to preference as to which one you prefer as a prospect. Uh, for me personally, what I'm trying to do in my drafts is to let other people make that decision for me. I'm trying to if you know if I see hey, like these three guys that I all like at this pick are gonna they're gonna be there. I'm just gonna get back three picks and whichever one's left, I'm getting that one. Um yeah, I, I did that uh I traded my 106 got got your picks the 112 and 201 and I got uh Waddle at twelve and I think this is a great draft to be trying to trade back in the first round because people will overvalue their guys in the first round and you know, you can get some pretty good deals just, uh, you know, picking up those guys, especially if you don't need a quarterback.
1: Yeah, I had a question the other day, and we have a mailbag segment, Chris and I do for the MD Sanity Football Show every single week. And I had an interesting question. Um, I'm going to put it on now because I, I we're not going to probably use it on Friday, Chris. He said he has the 103, but he doesn't need a quarterback, and it's a super flex league. And to me, I was like, that screams trade back, trade back, trade back, trade back. Because if you don't need a quarterback in that situation. You For that 103, you might be able to get two, maybe three picks, possibly not not only get that team's first rounder, but they have two second rounders. There's a good chance you can get two second rounders, first, second, third round. But it's a time to trade back and get ammunition because there's a lot of value later on this first round, especially if you don't need a quarterback, in my estimation. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to unpause the draft. Chris, you're going to talk about your pick at the 105.
2: Well, I mean, I'm going to shock this guy. I was shocked this guy was still on the board. I want uh, Trevor Lawrence. Who has their sound uh, effects
1: on? <laughs> I guess that might
2: be me. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize we had sound effects. I had my volume up. Um, yeah, I went, with, I went with Trevor Lawrence. I, I mean, it's I a no-brainer to me. We're talking about a super flex. You want to get the quarterbacks some shot the computers, you know, doing some odd stuff at the beginning. But, hey, I'll take it. Um, this guy's... My, my favorite prospect in this draft, the quarterbacks, I, saw, I love, still love Zach Wilson. But fantasy-wise, I mean, this guy runs, he throws, he's going to be a, on an offense that's going to be able to you know, primarily feature him in a lot of different ways. And then you have you know a terrible defense on the other side of the ball. I don't see Jacksonville being a necessarily a competitor anytime soon, um, but I do think they're going to be a team that's going to start scoring of score points, and I'm excited to have him on my team.
1: Well, and I had this staff where you had Joe Burrow. From weeks one through eight was a QB nine. Justin Herbert finishes a QB nine on the season to attack Lavoa in his second starter sit was stint that I like to say because he missed week 12. I believe it was uh, that one week in between due to injury. When he came back weeks 13 through 17, he was QB 11. So everybody was, you know, they crap on Tua all the time, but they didn't realize at the end of the season, Tua actually played pretty well, especially from a fantasy standpoint, and was doing so at that time with nothing but Mike Isicki and Lynn Bowden. But these are all rookie quarterbacks who had a lot of success from a fantasy standpoint. Trevor Lawrence, he's going to run more than Joe Burrow. He's going to throw just as much as Justin Herbert. He has just as many weapons, frankly, as those guys do, because I think it's one thing that keeps getting overlooked with Jacksonville. There's a case to be made that Trevor Lawrence, if he starts all 16, 17 games, whatever the case may be, now that he's going to be a top 10 quarterback. What do you think,
4: Chad? I think he has. Uh, I think he has everything to do it. He has the. He has, they brought in a pass catching running back who's who's going to be a safety net for him. They brought in Tim Tebow. <laughs> that would be his uh, quarterback uh, consultant, tight end. I mean, oh they, man. They have amazing wide receivers that they have on that team, and they all offer different excellent skill sets, and he has everything there for him to have year one, year one uh, fantasy production. So I think he, I don't know about top 10, but I'm thinking top 15. I could see him, I, he's in my top 15.
1: Okay. Okay. Being a little bit conservative, I'm going to be bullish on that one. We'll get back to that, Chad. Don't you ever have some battles on that one. Uh, I do want to say real quickly, Joe, just to talk about the Tebow point, Ryan Clark from ESPN, I was watching that NFL live show. He's very, very, very salty that Tim Tebow is getting a shot to play in the NFL again. Rightfully so for a lot of the reasons that he pointed out. I don't want to get to it on this show because we're more of a fantasy show, but I just kind of want to point out I thought that was hysterical and by the way, I completely agree with him as well. So I'm going to unpause the draft. Adam, you go ahead and talk about your pick at the 106.
3: Yeah. Um. So I mean, as we we've spoke on this show uh before, I, I was always a fan of Fields the prospect more. That being said, I and I'm so surprised I'm going to say this, but I the Bears drafted so well that I'm afraid it might keep Matt Nagy's job, and I don't want no part of that. <laughs> uh, I am staying all the way away from that. Um, and I love the Jets draft as well. I think, um, I think Zach Wilson's going to have a lot of weapons that fit with him really well early on. Um, so I'm just going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to take him. And I, I like it. I, you know, I loved both of them anyways. Um, so I, I think situationally with, with, with those two being close as prospects for me, I, I think I can uh, take the better situation there.
1: Or maybe it's my internet connection. I don't know. But I was trying to give you a round of applause, Adam, because a lot of people right now are trying to make this case that because Justin Fields went to the Bears and has a legitimate shot to start week one, which he does, and I think he actually should start week one if, if Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are serious about saving their jobs. But a lot of people are trying to make the case that Justin Fields has to be drafted as the number two quarterback off the board in your dynasty right after Trevor Lawrence. And I cannot disagree with that more Chris, back me up on
2: that. Oh, you, you put me on the spot here. I wanted to back you up. You know, are my Bears hater, but just to point out to both of you guys, Mitchell Trubisky was actually effective for the Bears from running. He's ran the ball. I think as long as he got opportunity to run the ball there, you got to kind of look at um, taking the number two. I love, Wil- I love Wilson. I love his upside. So, I mean, it's definitely a debate. I think mean, it's a no-brainer that you take a number two, but I do think it is somebody you have to consider because although I hate, hate, hate Matt Nagy, I do have to say they use a lot of RPO action, and he's going to have a chance to run. Will Trubisky do it his rookie the second year? There's You're stands. supposed to back me up. You didn't back I wanted me up, to too. back you. I wanted to back you up, man. But I, I look at that team, and I'm just like, yeah. But you know, I'm, you know, I hate Trubisky. And, you know, I, I hate Nagy. But they are both were productive their first two years together. And I, I think when we look at you know talent wise, Fields is head and shoulders better than Trubisky. ever is going to be.
1: What good are you? I mean, seriously, what good are you? I'm sorry.
2: sorry. <laughs> I think <it's laughs> The debate's about... okay.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you talk about two picks. I'm going to let you talk about your pick, but also the pick that went right before you at the 107 with Kyle Pitts. What kind of value do you think that is from a dynasty standpoint for him going at the 107?
4: Oh, we, I mean, tight end is such a crap to begin with. If you're having one of the highest ranked prospects in history come into the league, I think at this point, it's a, a fair argument to grab pits after Lawrence and Wilson's off the table. I'm uh I'm I'm a Wilson believer. I think the Jets are gonna be an incredible team this year compared to the compared to where they were. I mean I know the bar's not very uh, high, but they still have uh they I think they're gonna be they're gonna surprise a lot of people and I'm really hoping to get my uh, my Jets player in the second round here.
1: <laughs> now your quarterback Trey mm. Lance one oh eight so you went Jay Lance I, over Justin Fields as well. Let's hear that one.
4: Yeah, you know, well, I was going for Pitts. If Pitts was there, I was going to grab him, but unfortunately, Mr. Sutton there got him. So I believe in, I I believe in Shanahan. I believe in the system. I love the West Coast uh, way of football, and I know that they they somehow I don't know what it is with this San Francisco team. They find they make every single player who's in a a viable position become fantasy relevant. They just squeeze everything out of them. And I think that they're going to, I think of Lance with his outside and his cannon of an arm and and the, and the weapons he has around him, he's going to blow up when he ends up getting the, t- the chance to play.
1: Adam, do you think Trey Lance is more valuable down the road than Justin Fields, even though Fields might be starting earlier?
3: Uh, To me, no, but I, I, I see it. I, it Just to me, it's. I think they have similar upside. Uh, and I understand trusting the 49ers organization much, much more than the Bears because that's why I picked Wilson in the first place. Uh, so I'm definitely with you there. But I, I think in terms of upside, I, I think Fields has a similar, if not stronger, arm. I think he's a better runner. And, you know, so upside-wise, I think you could, at the very least, that's a toss-up. Uh, And then obviously Fields has a little more uh, short term value, but I I can't like I said, I can't knock going with Shanahan over Natchie because that one's right.
4: (laughs) I just say, yeah, I think the situation's better. But at the end of the day, I'd be happy if I had Fields too. one or one or the other. But it doesn't matter to me, really. Mm -hmm. They're both excellent quarterbacks and I think they're going to be they're going to be good with the system they're in.
1: And just going for more of the upside down the road. Chris is smiling at me because he's waiting for me to go off. I told (laughs) you last show, I I went on my last high rate on Trey Lance, okay? I can't, my heart can't take it anymore on how bad of a pick that was with the
2: 49ers.
1: (laughs) Terrible. Not a bad pick there by Chad, but a bad pick by the 49ers. Well, Chad didn't trade
2: three number ones for it, so that's the difference.
1: Well, exactly, and (laughs) that's... I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on to the the computer right after him took Devonta Smith at the 109, which I think is great value. Again, I'm going to have some numbers because we're going to talk about the Eagles on Friday, Chris, and and their draft recap. So I don't
0: want to give it all away now, but... The
1: Devonta Smith is in the best position that he possibly could be, at least especially right early in his career, because he found himself in a situation where he gets to play the slot receiver. But more importantly than playing the slot receiver necessarily, he gets to be the guy that they utilize and feature and move all around. That's exactly what Devonta Smith needs. He can't be the guy who lines up, whether it's just in the slot all the time Or one side of the perimeter, he's a guy you have to line up in multiple positions. You have to motion him. He's in the offense that should be setting him up to do that. While I'm not a big Jalen Hurts fan, I do look at Jalen Hurts as a poor man version of Justin Fields. Where I trust you to do two things. I trust you to either hit your number one or to run. And I trust him to do that. And I trust him to do that within the intermediate to short part of the field. Which, again, is what he's going to be doing with Devonta Smith most of the time. So... I'm finding myself – I I was knocking head and shoulders all the time, especially with the NFL drafts, that Jalen Waddle's better, better. And I, I do think he's better. But from a fantasy standpoint, Devontae Smith fell into the better situation. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, yeah. Could,
2: could... I mean, I think if you're compared to the two players, yeah, absolutely. Smith is in the better situation. You look at Waddle has to compete with target-wise. I mean, you have got yeah, Will Fuller, they added this offseason. You already had Devontae Parker in place. You have Kiseki. They like to use their running backs. So, I mean, in an offense, we're, we're still have to actually see what Miami actually kind of runs as well. We're not really sure kind of offenses like with the kind of dual uh, coaches on, off the coordinators. Um, and I think you have a rare clear cut with the Eagles are going to do. The only thing I'm curious about for the Eagles is, well, I'm excited for him to be able to move around with that coaching staff. We saw, you know, Indianapolis doesn't necessarily use the receivers a whole lot and haven't seen a lot of fantasy relevant guys over the last couple of years. I know TY has been banged up, um, but, they haven't really featured quote unquote a guy. And they have a, a pretty good tight end still too, and they keep, you know, a Selleck, mess um I mean Ertz, I'm sorry, not Ertz. Um but if they with you got Dallas Goddard there, I think he's gonna be the actually like the guy who's gonna eat most of those targets in offense.
1: The next pick was Javante Williams at the one ten. I actually have a poll out right now. Uh it just came out a few hours ago, so we're still early on in the voting, but It was about 70%. Um, The poll itself, excuse me, the poll itself was who are you going to draft first in 2021? Javante Williams or Melvin Gordon? Right now, it's sitting at 70% in favor of Javante Williams, which surprised me a little bit because I expect this to be a split. I would expect because he's a rookie, Melvin Gordon will get more closer to a 55-45-60-40 split in his favor, at least early on in the season. I can definitely, of course, see Javante Williams taking over later on. Yes, Williams is going to be a great guy moving forward. We know he's going to be 30 down back. But, Adam, I'm going to kick this question to you. Uh, Who would you take in 2021 between Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon?
3: And Melvin Gordon? Yeah. Or uh, I would take – I think I'd take – I'm going Williams because I think he's going to be the one that's going to help me out when I need it. I think he's going to help me out, uh, you know, come playoff time, come trying to play in and win the, you know, win games to get into the playoffs. You know, I will take the guy who's going to be valuable then. I don't really care if uh, Melvin Gordon, you know, gives me this great record the first couple weeks of the season. And then my theme falls apart. Like, cool, I made the playoffs, but I got torched by 50 points in the first round. So, like, you know, uh, give me the guy that's going to give me a chance at the end of the season, which is Williams.
1: So, Adam's saying, I could sleepwalk my way to the playoffs. I just need somebody to get me over the hump. So, Chad, the next pick was Rashad Bateman. And then while you're talking about that, I'll actually finally make my picks. Uh, But Rashad Bateman going to Baltimore, kind of an oxymoron situation, right? Because he has a pathway to be the number one pass catcher almost right away. But on a team that doesn't throw the ball that much. So, what's your take on Rashad Bateman going to Baltimore?
4: You know what? This is uh, in my uh, dynasty draft this weekend. I was... I was in the 108, and I'm in between – I had to decide between Bateman and – geez, who was it? It would have been someone after – it would have been Carter, actually, or Terrace Marshall. I think that was the next wide receiver up. I chose Bateman. I chose Bateman for, for a few reasons. His age, he broke out at a young age. He, he's going to be the best wide receiver on that team. And you know what? Before anyone starts saying that Baltimore, I know they don't throw the ball. I know they don't throw the ball a lot. They're, not, they're one of the least throwing teams in the league. But what happened with A.J. Brown when he entered the league? The exact same thing. Tennessee does not throw the ball. And everyone passed up on that guy. And now he's untouchable in Dynasty. I think, it's, I think Bateman falling to the end of the first round, is, it's a for sure fire hit.
1: All right, I like I like the confidence. I like it because I want to get behind Bateman. Bateman was one of my favorite receivers coming in. I kept saying he was going to be the Justin Jefferson of this draft. That's now going to be Devonta Smith because of the situation he fell in. But I want to believe, and this okay, I know Chris will back me up on this one. And if he doesn't, then he's getting kicked out of the stream. I want to believe. (laughs) That Lamar Jackson is going to truly throw the ball more, and therefore Bateman will actually be a guy who can get around 100 targets, maybe not 2021, but maybe by 2022 at least. Is that the output that you're seeing, Chris, even though it's Greg Roman and his messy history that he has when it comes to calling plays?
2: Even part of that messy history, Lamar Jackson did lead the league in touchdown passes two years ago. So people seem to get that twisted. Touchdowns still count for a lot of points. So whether Sean Bateman gets you an know, ungodly amount of targets or not, I'm not quite sure. But I think he's going to be highly productive. And I think as a result, he's going to be around – he's going to get close to double-digit touchdown opportunities. And he's going to probably get around 1,000 yards um, moving forward. This year, I kind of think he's going to be around, you know, nine hundred y- uh, yards mark. I think they're going to throw the ball a lot more than people think. Um, and I think that you look at the 49ers, when they had Bolden and Crabtree – he utilized both those guys. I think there's opportunity for Andrews to kinda of be the, the key guy they kinda of build around. They're gonna use Bateman as number one, and you got Marquise Brown kinda of taking the top off. I think the Ravens are gonna be one of the more explosive teams this year, and I think that they're gonna really surprise people when they throw the ball over the field. Lamar Jackson threw a lot in Louisville. People need to seem to you know seem to forget that these guys are not just a runner. It's
4: yeah. gonna be interesting. Even if they go go ahead, yeah. Chad. I, I was gonna say on that, I I was just gonna add that do you Does Lamar Jackson not look like a quarterback who can sustain at least one wide receiver for a thousand yards? (laughs) Like, he does. Like, he is good. He just, he last year was a mess, man. It really was. I think, I think you can look at those last four or five games, whatever it was at the end of the season, and kind of look at that as his. What you can average for Lamar, what he's capable of on a, on, ever, on a week-to-week basis, and what we saw for the first three quarters of the season was just it was massive. It really was. It sucked.
1: Yeah, I, I'm expecting a big, massive improvement there. The weapons are certainly going to be in place, and it's going to be very interesting to watch. All right, I'm going to unpause the draft while I talk about my two back-to-back picks. At the 12. I wonder who he went. At the one twelve and the 2-1. Well, I I mean, I had to take Justin Fields. How did he fell to me at 12 in a super flex league? I don't understand. The last quarterback pretty much left on the board there besides Mac Jones. But the reason I go Justin Fields over Mac Jones, of course, is the legs. And you talk about from a fantasy perspective. And I do believe he's going to start over Andy Dalton week one. I don't... Everyone can say they their you know, they're hot and blue in the face that Andy Dalton, no, no, he's good. they're going to let the veteran play it out. No, they're not. Look, do I think the best situation for Justin Fields would have been to sit for at least a few games? Yeah. If you want to save your job, if you're Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, you have to play the rookie quarterback right away. You cannot trade up, make this big pick, and then not play them, and then think you're still going to have a job. Because then you're still just making your way for the next regime to come in. I, Chris, I know you're saying that it's the Bears, so anything's possible. Okay. I get it. I, you, I can tell it from the
2: face. I understand. Look, look at the However, track record. Mike Lennon, Nick Foles. That's all I'm gonna say.
1: But Trubisky started right away.
2: No, I he didn't. The same...
1: Mike Lennon. <laughs> Go ahead. Mike Lennon started for one game. Literally one game. Literally one game. And I don't even think it takes that for Fields to get on the field. I, so I feel and like, like it again, would be
4: at most of that, really.
1: Right, yeah. exactly. And again, the thing that I expect the most the I expect here is that I trust Justin Fields to do two things. Hit his number one read, AKA Allen Robinson and to take off and run. From a fantasy perspective, that's all I need you to do. That's all I need you to do. My second pick, and I'll pause it here for you guys, because I want to make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself. The second pick, I went with Michael Carter. The second top of the end of the second round, best running back I have left on the board. You know, you know how I am with gets the running backs in dynasty leagues, so because they're so much harder to find than wide receivers. Michael Carter fits the system to Jets perfectly. I don't know if he has a particularly long career, but I do think this is a guy for the next three to four years, especially this year, starting this year, is the number one talented running back on the New York Jets in a great, great system. I'm going to take that, his explosive ability, and what he's going to be. Adam, what do you think of my two picks?
3: Oh, uh, Great. In uh, that, that same draft uh, where I, I uh, took um, Waddle at 12, and I, when I said I traded back to get 12 and, and 201, I also went Carter at 201, so great minds think alike. I think he's tremendous value there, getting someone who actually has the the chance to get the lion's share of the uh, of the rushing attempts. Uh, and the second round is, you know, that's fantastic value. And, of course, getting a, a quarterback at uh, the end of the first round and one with rushing ability to boot is, you know, nuts. So value-wise, that's stellar. That's what, like, what you're aiming for.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so the next pick with the Computer. I do want to get into a little bit. Um, because they went with Trey Sermon at the the 202. Now, this wasn't a bad pick, so I don't want people to take this the wrong way that I'm knocking it in capacity, but there's been a surge of Trey Sermon media narrative out there lately, and I want people to cool their boots just a bit, because a lot of the talk has been, oh, we love Trey Sermon because what he might be in 2021. We don't know if, you know, Raheem Mostert is going to make the team or Jeff Wilson is going to play or Trey Sermon. Yeah, I've I've heard that out there. Trey Sermon is the third string running back, guys. So this this new narrative has been out there over the past five days. I would say now I've been hearing it. This idea that he's going to be somehow in 2021 the lead 49er back. That's not going to be the case just because they traded up for him. It was still the third round. All right. That's good draft capital. It's not automatic starter capital. People are getting carried away with Shanahan, the running scheme and the new running back in town. He's not even only the new running back in town. Uh, Chad, what do you what do you think about this? Yes, I think this is a good pick for Trey Sermon in Dynasty. But what do you think about Trey Sermon in 2021?
4: I think that he I, this is going to be a test year to see if he, if he can show up. And fill that Moser role, then they're gonna. I don't see why they wouldn't give it to him. Moser is 29 years old. He's he hasn't he's never played a full season. He really hasn't. But on that note, Sermon's never been a he's never been a workhorse back. I know the 49ers do not use a three down back, but I don't see Sermon taking on a massive load year in and year out. And I I don't know. I think he's he's either – he's that uh, dark horse picked in this uh, draft. He's either going to be gold or he's going to be a, a, a nice flex player.
1: He also doesn't catch the ball, which goes back to my yeah. point of he's not playing ahead of Jeff Wilson because Jeff Wilson pass blocks and catches the ball, no, Chris?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think this year specifically is going to be really hard to kind of gauge what Sermon's value is going to be. I think moving forward, though, they did seem to ha- target him. Um, doesn't mean necessarily I think, for Kyle Shanahan. He targeted other running backs. I mean, the Williams kid out of Utah a couple of years ago didn't even make the team. Um, so he does, you know, have his favorites for per se. But, you know, kind of everybody's kind of speaking upon net 49er backfield. You never know who's going to start from week to week. It's kind of similar to New England in a lot of ways. And that's why I just don't like to. I mean, I think they have value, but I also, I'm not going to be the one who jumps on that grenade necessarily.
1: Adam Terrace Marshall might have been one of the greatest benefactors of this draft in my estimation because he needed to go somewhere specific and he goes to his old offensive coordinator in joe brady he goes to a situation that plays a lot of receivers to begin with has an opening for that third receiver and not to mention the third receiver in the slot guess what guys i'm gonna let you all know right now Terrace marshall's playing the slot in 2021 all right he's not playing the perimeter it's not going to be, It's he's going to be in the slot. You're going to see DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson on the outside because Joe Brady knows that's where he needs to play to be at his best. So, Adam, when you look at this, when you look at the Sam Darnold situation, the Panthers situation, the Joe Brady situation, what is your outlook for Terrence Marshall this year and beyond?
3: Yeah. So, uh, I think that this is entirely dependent on two things, and it's really obvious. Uh, what is Sam Darnold? I wasn't high on him at a prospect the first time, and I'm certainly not high on him now. But if, that works out. If you can fix him, then I, I think the sky's the limit with him because uh, you know we know what Joe Brady can do. We know what this offense can do. Otherwise, what we know what it did with Teddy Bridgewater, who's also not uh, you know the greatest quarterback in the world. Uh, so I, I definitely think that he's an upside a player in both in regards to uh, his situation with Sam Darnold and in regards to him himself. He's someone who I thought uh, was a little on the raw end, but has the physical tools to be a really special player. Um, and then the other big uh, factor there, like obviously other than his development, is what if Joe Brady's a head coach next year somewhere else? Uh, the things change very rapidly there if if someone else who runs a different type of offense that maybe, you know, doesn't feature three receivers uh, comes into town. And, you know, that could be... It's a situation that could go a lot of different ways, but I think chasing the upside on him uh, makes a lot of sense in the second round. But uh, yeah, I do think there's a lot of ways that that could backfire very quickly.
1: All right. So team nine, the computer player went with Dwayne Eskridge. Uh, All I'm going to say to that is Dwayne Eskridge is a bum. Never going to see the field. So we're going to (laughs) take this right over to Chad who went with Rondale Moore. Love the pick, Chad. Tell me about that pick. What was your mindset there?
4: Oh, the guy, the kid's a beast, man. he's, what is he, squat like 6,000 pounds now? I don't know. Like he, <laughs> I, I saw a comp, like the guy he's built like DK Metcalf, but the guy can run around like a, a mouse, man. Like I, I'm excited to see if uh, they can, they can utilize him properly on this team because I don't think, I think he could get some, I think, I think he gets some targets from the backfield as well. I don't, I don't see Edmonds and, Honored like the best backs to to lead this team but he's also powerful enough and fast enough where they're gonna that isabel project didn't work so he, he, I, he'll easily i think he can easily surpass um isabel and uh kirk i think he's like it's it's there but in saying that hopkins still is the number one guy like i'm not putting rodell more above him whatsoever and i just gonna cap his upside for sure
1: Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see when this is going to be an interesting situation for me to project later on, because I'm looking at this as for 2021, I don't know how much he gets involved right away. I think a lot of it's going to depend on does A.J. Green have anything left? Because I think right now, as it stands, their ideal, what they're going for anyway, I don't know if it's their ideal situation, what they seem to be shooting for at the moment, is DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, and then Christian Kirk finally getting his opportunity to play in the slot. Now, we'll see. If A.J. Green has nothing left... I would foresee Kirk getting kicked back down the perimeter. And then Rondell Moore gets to take over the slot job this season, which I think would probably be their more ideal situation. Mm -hmm. But for 2022, AJ Green won't be there. Christian, very good chance. Christian Kirk's not there. So for 2022, we're looking at Rondell Moore as a second fiddle in a pass heavy offense Mm -hmm. to Deandre Hopkins. And in a situation where he'll get to play inside, outside, get to move around, love his athletic ability, I don't think the five seven thing is going to hurt him, even though there's not a lot of precedence for it. But Chris, where are you at with Rondell Mods more to the Arizona Cardinals? We're actually gonna talk about a little bit this on Friday too.
2: I mean, I think Kyler Murray's the same height, so they can see each other pretty easily. That should be fine. <laughs> um, no, I I look at I look at his situation. I think as long as you have Kingsbury there as the coach, I mean Adam kind of touched upon, you know, where, where Brady is for Carolina next year. I'm curious to see how this team kinda of unfolds. But as long as you have Kingsbury as the coach, they love, love, love throwing five yard option routes. That's I mean, one of their, their key staples of their offense. And with Fitzpat, uh, Fitzgerald being you know, pretty much done, it's going to depend to me for this year. It's going to depend on his, AJ Green play the slot. If he just plays the slot, then you have more kind of struggle. But if Moore is the slot receiver in that offense, I don't think Christian Kirk going to have a chance versus him. I think they pretty much made their point by taking Moore that Christian Kirk isn't our future, isn't going to we plan on bringing him back next year and re-signing, and I don't think he's going to get the first shot. I think once Moore is out there, you're going to see him use a lot in gadget plays, but I think he's going to be featured. I mean, Kyler Murray's going to have guys look to look for that and get in and out of his brace really quickly. They love the road, you know, his five-yard option routes, like I said. So I think he PPR-wise, he's going to be a monster. I would, I'm would curious about how many yards he actually gets and touchdowns because we saw DeAndre Hopkins kind of get kept by that last year as well. But the targets should be there.
1: This Team 7, the sandwich between Chad and Adams, off to a pretty good start. And Kyle Pitts to come back with Amon St. Brown who I really like a lot because he's in a great situation, especially when talking talk about rookies and what their immediate impacts would be. He's got to be right up there at the top with the targets that he may get to see in Detroit. What do you think about St. Brown Adam when he got to go to Detroit there and his opportunity?
3: Yeah, he's someone I'm targeting for sure. Uh, but it, it's gotta be someone you're, you're careful with, right? Cause I have seen a lot of teams reaching on him for that situation. Uh, at the end of the day, he's not a better talent than a Paris Marshall and Elijah Moore to me. Uh, and I, I've seen people taking him because of that situation, because he's you can, you can pencil in uh, Amon St. Brown as the day one starter in the slot in, uh, in Detroit. And, you know, Jared Goff loves his slot receivers. That's why uh, McVeigh filled the team with them. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think he's going to be uh, highly productive early, which is great. But I have seen people reach on him. That being said, at 2-6, I think it's very fair game. I like that pick a lot.
1: Yeah, I have to say so as well. All right, talk about your pick at the 2-7.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is just, to me, that's a value pick. Uh, I was eyeing eyeing more and, you know, some other players, but at the end of the day, like, I feel like, uh, you know, this is a super flex league. I feel like I'm set now at my two quarterback positions, the two highest scoring positions, to get someone who I think uh, will very likely be a starter uh, this season at some point. Um, in the second round at quarterback, uh, who I think is you a know, pretty good player, first-round caliber player or quarterback. Uh, yeah, I'm taking that every time.
1: I think Mac Jones would be the start of week one. Why mess around? You know what offense you're going to be down the road. Why, why be a completely different offense from what you are obviously, at some point, going to get back to? Your roots are dug into with Joshua Daniels. The pocket passer, throw it around, is what he does. It's what he's always looked for. I don't know why why bother at this point even wasting your time with Cam Newton. It's not like you have a, a big financial commitment to him. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to work out that way. But in my mind, logically, it makes more sense that Mac Jones is the starter week one for New England Patriots. And you know what? I'm good with that. He has this nice security blanket in the tight ends. I don't really love his wide receivers, but... We've seen crappy wide receivers perform okay in the Patriots system before, in Josh McDaniels system before. So it could be something at least serviceable in the meantime. And, of course, I love his down down the road. I thought this Mac Jones screams New England Patriot. I thought it was a great fit for him. I think he's going to be a great pick. Chris, let's talk about your pick at Elijah Moore at the 2-8. That's a nice thing. If this wasn't a super flex league, I know Adam would have took him. But <laughs> let, let's talk about Elijah Moore there at the 2-8.
2: I mean, when I looked at the board, I was kind of hoping you know, I would have the Jones fall to me. But, of course, you know, Adam did a smart pick. But in retribution, I made sure I would get a guy that he's definitely would have been interested in the third round. Um, and I saw that after that, I'm not a big Tony fan. Um, I think I made it pretty clear when we had our uh, draft day. Um, and I'm not a fan of long-term or short-term. So I look at the guy who I think is one of the most talented receivers left on the board for sure. I look at his situation. I think you have, you have Crowder on his last year of his deal. He has a clear opportunity to be the starting slot receiver. And I think when I, I love Zach Wilson's talent, like I talked about before, I think you put those two guys together and you're going to have magic moving forward.
1: Yeah. I love the long-term outcome of it. Uh, Chad, will ask you this question. Do you think because of the contract situation, even though salary cap wise they can afford it. Do you think the jets will cut Jameson Crowder and allow Elijah Moore to start right away?
4: Oh, absolutely. I think once they, uh, once it gets a little bit closer to the, to the season, uh, isn't it after uh, June first? I believe if they cut some, yeah, after June first. More- but even yeah. then, he's still only guaranteed one million
1: dollars. It's an eleven million dollar contract. But even the, he could, they can still get out of it uh, without taking that cap hit outside of one million mm-hmm. dollars. But on the flip side, they have enough
4: cap room, so it's kind of a they question do, of yeah. that.
1: But you believe they would?
4: I I, I don't see why not. They're already. They, I mean, at the beginning of the year, they said they were fine using Sam Darnold. Look what happened a month and a half later, right? Like, they I think it's just coach speak. I think they would, they'll cut him. I think they're going to say they're going to keep him out and then they'll eventually cut him once they see more of what Elijah Moore can do. I, it really depends on him, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, and I, I agree with that. It could be a move just like, hey, you know what? We want to get our future moving here. Let's mm-hmm. get our young guys the playing time now. I can't disagree with that. It's just a very interesting situation because everyone's already like got the axe out for James the Crowder, but it's just, it's not a team that's hurting for cap room. It's, it's just rare you see that kind of situation. And, and that's why I thought it was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to read off some of what the computer is doing. They went with Darius Tony with the next pick. We don't have to talk about any more about that. Pat Freermuth goes with pick uh, oh, team yeah. three. Say that again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Kenneth G- Let's talk about Kenneth Gainwell for a little bit, going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Adam, I'll kick this one to you. First of all, team two, Najee Harris, Kenneth Gainwell, not a bad move that they're doing there. But Kenneth Gainwell, do you think he's going to overtake Miles Sanders? Is he going to have his third down role with Miles Sanders? Because you got Nick Cerini coming from the Colts. They love the run. They're three backs, even though it doesn't make sense all the time. Will he continue to do that? that? Is Well going to now cut into Miles Sanders' targets year one or now?
3: Uh, targets maybe. I think targets could go either way. Carries, I don't think there's any real issue there. Uh, I think it's going to be a team that runs a ton regardless. Uh, that that's I mean, he's coming from uh, what the Colts did, um, and then. Yeah, I think it's a good fit for Gainwell just because I think they're they're so weak at receiver, they can flex him out to receiver and keep both of them on the field, like if they really want to. Which I mean, I would. Why wouldn't you? Uh, I I mean, I feel like he fits in right in about their third best receiver, if not if not after Devonta Smith. So yeah, I think he can be productive early, but I don't think it. If it hurts Sanders, I don't think it's a lot.
1: Okay. I, I It's interesting because Boston Scott was a little bit annoying. Kenneth Gamewell I definitely think, is better than Boston Scott. Uh, I just wonder, is this going to be like Jordan Howard gets the touchdowns, Miles Sanders gets between the 20s, and we throw in Kenneth Gamewell like Naeem Hines just to be annoying whenever the hell we feel like it. Go ahead, Chris. I, I see you nodding your head. Give me your two cents on that.
2: That'd be my biggest concern. I mean, you look at what, Indianapolis. You had a lot of guys. Marlon Mack was a good pass catcher his rookie year. People seem to forget that. But then he got pigeonholed. Um, and then you have guys like Jonathan Taylor last year who didn't get thrown in the ball because he got pigeonholed. You see the Colts like to have some guy that's going to be their clear number, their receiving back per se, and Naheem Hines seemed to be that guy. I can see that Gainesville can be um, used very similar in a lot of ways. I agree with Adam, though. It's going to be dependent on the offense, how creative they are. If they have him out there in different situations, then he's going to be able to, be able to utilize him, you know, as a receiver and as a running back. I could see him playing. But if they're going to keep him strictly as a running back, and he might he might easily become the Naheem Hines of that team.
1: Team one went back to back running back to an Elijah Mich- Mitchell at the two twelve, which that's a bit of a reach for a sixth round running back who's going to be the fifth round a uh, fifth string running back on his team. But followed up with Chandler. Ramonde Stevenson, which I think is interesting because I think Sony Michelle is getting cut, and I think the Patriots will use three backs. So Chad, with the idea that Sony Michelle gets cut. Do you think Ramondre Stevenson will have a definitive role with the Patriots, with the mayor, uh, with Damian Harris, with James White, or do you think he's probably a year away from getting a true chance?
4: I think he's a year away from being from you being able to put him in your fantasy roster. I think he's. I think he's going to see the field quite throughout the year, but I don't think he's going to start the season off strong. I don't think he's. He's just because not that he can't, but he's not going to be given the chance. I don't think. I feel like it's that's a crowded ba- uh running back room there.
1: Yeah, the only pathway I see is if Bill Belichick's having flashbacks to Legarrette Blunt in the back of his mind and yeah. decides Ramondae Stevenson, you get the. The ball every time you're within the five yard line kind of deal. That's the only way I see it early on. I do think he's a year away. Go ahead. Yeah.
4: But I'm in saying that, this is a big reason why I like I avoided him around this point in my draft is because it was a PPR league for that. This is half PPR too. Like he's he's not gonna get any of those targets. He he's gonna beat that goal line back. And when it comes to points per reception, I don't that's great for standard. I would target him if this was a standard league, but points per reception. I'm glad someone else took him.
1: Yeah, and th- with the Patriots, too, I mean, a lot of my value that was hindering on Damien Harris this year went out the window the second they decided to bring mm-hmm. James White back. Yes. Like they just refused to let anybody else have that third down roll. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up was Diami Brown, Nico Collins, and then Kylan Hill. Some interesting moves there. Let's get over to Chris, who took Des Fitzpatrick with his pick, and I'll resume it so Adam can make his draft pick.
2: Well, yeah, um, you didn't pause for my draft, so it was my auto draft, <laughs> by the way. Um, but anyway. My bad. Uh, it's all good. Um, but I don't mind the pick. I don't mind the pick. It was in my queue, so I understand. No, I, I, I'm actually a Des Fitzpatrick fan. Um, a lot of people have like, kind of doubted what the you know Tennessee's doing at the receiving, in this, particularly in this draft. I think people are going to be underestimating this guy. I liked him in Louisville a lot. Um, he's, a, he's a big, strong guy. He's able to get down the field. He can remind me a lot of Corey Davis in a lot of different ways, I think, what he can kind of bring to the offense. And I don't think he's necessarily going to be a stud this year, but I do think that he can be that easy number two receiver. They cut Humphreys. They really have a clear cut. They have Josh Reynolds, but I'm not super impressed. I'm not really invested in him necessarily either. And I look at Fitzpatrick. I think he's a little bit better than Josh Reynolds, but I think he brings a lot of similar things. Big, tall, guy you can kind of use in the red zone. And I think that moving forward, he's going to be the number two to A.J. Brown.
1: Well, that's why I thought you legitimately made that pick because honestly, I was going to say in the third round there for Fitzpatrick for a guy who truly might be the number two on a team that will get some value to the number two receiver. Uh, it, it's a great move and it's a great situation that he wound up in, and he fits perfectly with AJ Brown, right, Adam?
3: Yeah, I think that is a good good fit for him. Uh, uh, that's somewhere I've been eyeing on, like, well, okay, what receiver is going to land here, and I, I think. This is an interesting one because you're going to get a sleeper who potentially, uh, you know, can be that wide receiver, too, like you mentioned.
0: Breaking news.
1: I want to give one more shout out to Manscaped. This is your public service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the lawmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and in Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. You get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at Manscaped.com. And what makes this trimmer different than all the others? How about a new multifunction on-off switch which can engage a travel lock so it doesn't go off while it's in your bag. Created for everybody who travels all the time. The lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn on the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And the new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. So just go there and get the new product, manscaped.com, promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free shipping on your purchase today, I personally, just to give you guys a mental image, like to go for the pizza slice. You know, it's, it's, it's very, mm-hmm. it's very quaint and it's very, it's very original. I know. Uh, So let's go. Adam made your next pick. Talk about your pick, Adam.
3: Yeah. Uh, I went, I went back with uh, a guy that I, I got in, I got him in the fifth round of our last draft. So a clear uh, landing spot, changing things quite a bit, you know? So it's a situation where I know right now that he's, uh, not going to be a top two receiver uh, for, for the Minnesota Vikings. I love, But that being said, I love Amir Smith-Marset, and I feel very confident about him becoming that third receiver. And with his skill set, I think he's someone that, um, you know, can come in when they need three wide receiver sets and be a versatile guy. But I also think they can bring him in to just kind of attack down the field. And if that's the case, he won't need a ton of volume to be relevant. I feel relatively confident that at least by next year, if not the back half of this year, that he's going to be someone I can feel okay with as like a flex guy. And if, if that's what I'm getting in the third round, I can take that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the question here from a dynasty standpoint is that when Adam Thielen moves on, does Marset take over? They go a different direction. Chad, do you think Marset is good enough to take that job, hold on to that job, so they don't go after somebody else when Adam Thielen moves on, maybe by next season?
4: I'm, I'm not ready to make that call yet, but I don't fault that pick whatsoever because if, if he is ready to fill that role in a year or two, he's going to be a great, great asset to have.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, Team seven continues to impress me as a computer here. <laughs> Amari Rogers going right in between Adam and Chad here. Amari Rogers, I want to kick this to Chris because he's in a very similar situation as Dre Fitzpatrick, where he could theoretically be the number two as kind of a slot guy in a situation, but it's going to really greatly depend as Aaron Rodgers. Stay there or not, but just speak yeah, to what Amari Rogers, what you think his role in Green Bay could be, maybe in the near future rather than down the road.
2: I mean, I think he definitely is going to be a top three receiver, if not the number two. All I keep hearing out of Green Bay is, is this guy's that compares to Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb himself compared him to this player, and so he's actually more talented than he was coming out. Now, I don't necessarily think he's going to have a career Randall Cobb is because I don't see. I think Randall Cobb is actually more talented, but I do see the opportunity. You look at Green Bay's receiving cores; it's pretty pathetic. After you know, Adams, Adams is a free agent next year, um, so there's even a chance that he could be number one or number two going into next year. So I think he's a great value, and as a guy that you kind of, as long as Aaron Rodgers is there, he's definitely gonna have value this year. Long term, maybe Rodgers isn't there, but he's still going to be one of the higher guys, in the, you know, on the totem pole in a sense. Because you, if from everything I'm hearing, Devontae Adams isn't necessarily going to be there. If you know, Jordan loves his quarterback next year either. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how things unfold in Green Bay. And Scott's got an opportunity to play sooner than later.
1: Everyone except for the GM of Green Bay hates Jordan Love. It's it's incredible. Incredible what's going on with that organization right now. Just absolutely hates him. Uh, Chad, you went with Josh Palmer at the 3-8. Great great pick. I actually just had a a draft, a rookie draft myself for a dynasty League. I've been in for a few years now. And I just took Josh Palmer right around the same territory. Uh, so man. go ahead and talk about Josh Palmer to the Chargers.
4: I just think he, you know what? He's moving into a uh, he, he could be potentially moving to Mike Williams position here once uh, this year's up. Uh, Mike Williams' contract's up. He's constantly injured himself. I don't think Personally, I don't think he's performed from what they are expecting of him in that role, which is why they went ahead and made this pick. That coupled with them beefing up their O-line to being one of the best in the league now, this this guy potentially over the next few years with having Herbert throw that ball, he's going to he could potentially be a really, really, really good third or late second-round pick in rookie uh, drafts here.
1: Yeah. Look, Josh Palmer, they're going to be in a system where that back-end wide receiver really has a particular role. And I'll let Adam kind of finish this off with Josh Palmer because I got to need to make my pick in 10 seconds. So Josh Palmer, what do, what do you think, Adam?
3: Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, what distinguished between me for uh, Smith-Marset and Josh Palmer is that I think uh, Smith-Marset ha- is going to have a better 2021, but absolutely that upside of taking Mike Williams' role Uh, In in the future, which I I agree, I think that Mike Williams time in uh, LA now is going to be uh, about coming to the end. uh, You know, I would like the upside long term with him. I'm just worried that I'm worried that Palmer and Guyton right now are going to in 21, like split that deep threat role until they get rid of Mike Williams. And then once they do, I love Josh Palmer's value. Uh, it's just a matter of his 21 value, you know, potentially not being great. But sure. uh, I,
4: I did make that pick thinking that I don't intend to use him in 2021. Mm-hmm. He's a long-term exactly there. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Look, I, there's a
1: scenario. Mike Williams hasn't been the most healthy. Uh, I think he's got to take a step up to keep his job. Yeah, Palmer definitely has more of the value for 2022. He's much better than Guyton, but he's going to have that similar type of role. Where he's going to be the deep field threat. Uh, mm-hmm. especially on the backside of, of Keenan Allen. So and I think he might be better suited than Mike Williams for this system to play that downfield role opposite of Keenan Allen. So, I, I mean, I, I truly, truly love the pick. After that, I'm trying to see it now, uh, Brevin Jordan went with Team 9, Jalen Darden went, Cornell Powell went. That's going to be an interesting one in some senses. And then I was up. I kind of screwed up on my fourth round pick. It's not really what I wanted to go with, but we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll fly with it. Because uh, I, actually, I actually wanted to go with who uh, Chad wound up taking. But um, Khalil Herbert, I love me some Khalil Herbert, especially when we get into the late end third round here, fourth round. Going to be the number two behind David Montgomery. I've talked about this guy before. I think he has great vision. I think he breaks tackles very well. I think he explodes the line of scrimmage well. He's got a lot of work to do when it comes to pass blocking, catching the ball out of the backfield. There's no doubt about that. And he's going to be more of a primary first down, second down goal line guy until he's able to develop that part of his game. But I do wonder David Montgomery definitely staying healthy an entire season after a heavy workload. And I do wonder if the bears are definitely going to bring back Montgomery after this season as well. So I think there's some upside here with a Khalil Herbert who I think has a lot of talent and I do I was going into the season thinking that there's no chance Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are still there. Maybe I just draft his changes. I don't know, but kind of going off of the hope that the coaching regime was also going to change with Herbert getting a chance. Um, Adam, tell me what you think about Herbert.
3: Yeah, um, I like him. Uh, he's definitely in that uh, either at the bottom of that second tier running backs to the to the top of the third. Um, I, I think in the short term. Uh, his skill set is one that um, he could maybe steal some carries from from uh, Tariq Cohen, uh, not like his rushing use, not his receiving use. Uh, and then long term, you know, the next regime, we just saw it with James Robinson, uh, you know, or- those middle of the road running backs are you know pretty easy to move on from so that you could see um them cr- keep the next regime keep uh, Tariq Cohen in that third down role and then slide in Herbert as the um uh, you know the main running back uh so yeah i think uh in terms of the um uh, long term value there's there's good value there
1: Tommy Tremble I'll, I'll kick this to Chris cuz who else would i kick this to uh <laughs> With Tommy Tremble, he's... Hey, you know what? I think he's going to be a starter day one. I do. I think. I don't know how big a fantasy <laughs> pack going but I think he's going to be the starter day one in Carolina over that bum of an Ian Thomas. He's going to block. How many catches did watch Morris'
2: son catch again in college?
1: Uh, hold on. I heard somebody... I'll let you speak in a minute. I heard somebody say Tommy Tremble reminded them of Janus Smith. Now, even I had to laugh out loud at that, but... <laughs> I I said even I had to laugh out loud at that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But they there the logic behind it was Janus Smith came out, could block, got on the field because he had the athletic skill set, got utilized in the red zone and then developed from there. Now, I don't I think Tommy Tremble is more athletic than people want to give him credit for. I don't think he can run rounds worth a lick. I'm not gonna get crazy here. But I do believe he could be somebody who gets utilized well in the red zone, especially with his blocking ability. So Tommy tremble as a sleeper tight end who might play day one in the fourth round. Well, go ahead. What do you think?
2: I mean, he wouldn't be my tight end on the board. We already had that discussion and argument. However, I don't think it's a bad pick. If you'd like, you value him. Um, I do think he has some upside that like you're kind of talking about. He reminds me of every other Notre Dame tight end in a lot of ways. Um, he's, I think he's Kyle Rudolph. I mean, I think he's going to have some relevance I don't think he's going to be a star tight end, but I think he's going to have some years where he has double digit touchdown opportunities. Maybe he gets you seven, 800 yards, and then the tight end position, you're just trying to find somebody to throw out there particularly long-term. I think when you look at this draft, you have a guy who's definitely going to be on the field because he can block, and you've seen different guys kind of step up recently They kind of came in that role. So Will Disley have a decent year? You tell Drew Sample have some decent games. So I think you're going to see a guy who's going to be out there on the field a lot, has a chance, and you said like he's a pretty good athlete. He'll be using the red zone. I just have some questions as long as you know, Joe Brady is the coach there, an offensive coordinator. Um, Like I said, how many catches did Randy Moss' son have in LSU? And he was I, utilizing the red zone. Of,
1: that's all I need. He was he utilizing was. the red and he, zone.
2: And that's why I, I give you that. I definitely going to have a guy you're going to see using the red zone. And I, comp, the comps of Janu Smith are just line, but everything else, I agree. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I mentioned that because I wanted to see your reaction. I heard that the other day. I was like, all right, I like Tommy Trevor. They're not the even, built, they're not even built the
2: close to the same. Like, that's the no, problem. That, like, look that's at their just... bodies here.
1: It's just insanity. Um, The next couple picks went off Jamie Newman, Newman, then Kyle Trask, Larry Roundtree, and then we get to Chad's pick, Chuba Hubbard backing up Christian McCaffrey. I wasn't the hugest Hubbard fan during the draft process. However, he has a particular skill set, and he's by far the best running back backing up Christian McCaffrey, and we saw this past year Christian McCaffrey is mortal. So Chad, take me through the process of taking Chuba Hubbard there in the fourth round.
4: Yeah, I'm at this point in the draft now, I'm picking players who I think can, who I think can be a lot of ticket. I don't, I'm not too concerned. Unless someone, unless someone with an excellent draft capital falls, then I'm going to target them. But if not, then I'm going with guys like, I chose Hoover because of the fact that he is the clear-cut backup for Christian McCaffrey. And I know he didn't have a great year of going um, going into the NFL because of injuries, but the year before he was he was awesome he was electric and i think that he i think he's going to surprise uh people if he ever gets the chance to do if cmc ever has to sit out a game then he's going to be just fine out there and uh hopefully with this pick my hope is that when they do move on from cmc then he's going to be the guy yeah
1: yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Hubbard does have a track record of production coming out of college. There's no doubt about that. It had the 2,000-yard season. Uh, there's always been a void of talent behind Christian McCaffrey until Mike Davis last year. We saw what Mike Davis was uh, in, mm-hmm. in that system. So that all kind of plays into it. That's why Hubbard was one of the guys that I was actually looking at when I had to take Tommy Trumble with the clock running out on me. Uh, but it is an interesting situation where I value him more in that than I would normally, and... If you're able, don't worry, Chris, I'm going to pause it. If you're able to draft him and you're not the Christian McCaffrey owner and McCaffrey does go down, you will be able to hold him for a high ransom. I don't think this gets talked about enough. A high ransom in a trade midway through the season because that person's going to want Hubbard badly from you and probably willing to overpay in that instance. So it's also a pick that I could see you flipping. In the future, something that we don't talk about enough just in the fantasy industry in general, trading. and It's all about taking your guys and, and figuring out what value they have. But how about taking, and I talk to Chris all this time, we, we played a couple home leagues together. Number one thing I do is I draft on value. I don't draft based on what I need to fill up my roster because I know I'm going to have assets that I'm then going to be able to flip. And I'm going to be able to put out my roster that way. Just keep remembering that. You don't win your league on draft day. It's going to be what moves you make during the season. That's going to dictate whether or not you win. That's true. For Dynasty, redraft, doesn't matter what the format is. The only format that it's not true for is best ball because that's all about the draft. All right, so next picks up, we had Adam and Chris. Adam, go ahead with your 2-2 Atwell pick. Actually, I'm going to hit this real quick because I'm probably going to disagree with you. I
3: want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Yeah,
1: I mean... All right, state is... your case, Adam. <laughs>
3: I don't know if we, we're going to disagree too strongly. No, here. Probably this is not just too strongly. A, uh, a case of uh, I like the talent and I like the draft capital. I hate the landing spot a lot. Uh, I, this is a crowded receiver room, like, and I joked about it earlier in the stream. It's full of slot receivers, and that's exactly what he is. Um, so his path to the, the field is going to be a tough one. If I had to wager uh, how this is going to work out is as a rookie, he will be a gadget player, which is uh, no fun. Um, but hopefully, uh, you know, maybe they'll give up on Van Jefferson or you know, uh, stop paying Cooper Cup or something. Uh, as Chad said in the fourth fourth round, mid fourth round at that. I'm just trying to uh, you know, take my lottery ticket. And this is again a guy with second round draft capital uh, at a skill position that I'm getting in the fourth round of this dynasty draft. Um, and that I liked the talent on going into this draft. I picked him, I believe, in the yeah in last. In our last draft, I got him in the third, and I was happy then. So in the fourth, even with the bad landing spot, I'm happy now.
1: The draft capital argument is the only argument that I will accept at all for drafting Tutu Atwell in, in, in any in any capacity. This is not a good football player at all. There's a special teams guy who went to a situation where – I don't know if he, maybe they are already they're already done with Van Jefferson, who I wasn't a big fan of last year, their second round wide receiver pick either. But that it's going to have to take them moving on from somebody for him to actually be anything in the NFL, especially with the Rams of all teams, especially going in the second round of all teams. The draft capital is the only reason why I think he has any chance to even see the field. This guy, you want everybody wants to knock Rondale Moore for his. This guy's even smaller, and he's not even nearly yeah. as built. Uh, the speed is there, but again, I see nothing more than a special teams player. I Best case scenario, he's an he's an Andrew Hawkins, uh, and I don't see how that type of player sees the feel for the Rams. Go ahead, Chris. I see you rolling your eyes at me.
2: I mean, I think I have a little haterade there. I think that is actually <laughs> a really good pick by by Adam there. I think that you absolutely look at a guy who is upside. He's got a lot of talent. He's not your typical little midget receiver. This guy is good. I mean, you watched Louisville games the last couple of years. He dominates some good you can shake your head all you want. He dominated <laughs> out there. I mean, you look at what he did. It, statistically, he definitely did. And he can get down out of his breaks. He's too. He's quick. He's not a big guy, but in today's NFL, it doesn't really necessarily matter. Um, and I think that when you look at clear-cut opportunities for the field, I think the Rams made it clear that they're going to move on one of the receivers. That's what the Rams do. They move on from a player every couple of years. We, we saw Brandon Cooks get traded. We'll see Cooper Cup or Robert Woods get traded next year. And I think we will be the guy who moves forward. And Al well, replaces Stafford.
1: one of those two, that's going to be a catastrophe. I'm going to tell you that right <laughs> now.
2: Well, I would say I would agree with Jared Goff is still the quarterback, but I don't think he is. I believe there's just another guy in Matthew Stafford's the quarterback who takes shots down the field and is going to like having a little a speed guy who can get down that field. He's got an opportunity to be. Yeah, I think you're hating. I think you're going to eat your words in two years. I'm just telling you that right now.
4: Yeah,
1: I, you know, think I'm, I i feel I feel pretty safe about it. Go ahead, Chad. Okay. I to
2: say it
4: too, too. I've got a strange feeling that he's gonna be used a lot in some uh check downs. I don't know I don't know what it is, but I, I know Cam Akers is the best at catching the ball and this guy he he might be utilized in that in that back a little bit.
1: Yeah, he'll be a gadget player.
4: Yeah, that's the thing. Like I just I have a feeling he's gonna be everywhere. He really will, and he could he could have sneakily good fantasy season. I think
1: he can. He'll be a gadget player, and and if anybody knows me well enough, they know my stance on gadget players are fantasy irrelevant because they're never on the field enough. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's kind of what it boils down to me for when it comes to 2-2 Atwell. All
2: right, I I had
1: to spice it up a little bit. Go ahead, Chris. Talk about your Kellen Mond pick.
2: I mean, i I basically looking at, I think, the next best quarterback after the key quarterbacks off the board. uh, I think the computer went Trask earlier in the round, and I think they have a guy that, you know, looking at the situation in Minnesota – I don't think Kirk Cousin's is necessarily the future. I think that his salary cap his salary hit cap number is going to be a pain for them to kind of move forward with. Sure, it's not selling
1: with all the rumors coming out of the draft, did it?
2: No, I mean it was pretty obvious that the Minnesota Vikings were definitely looking to get a quarterback possibly somewhere. And I think that they have this guy in mind, you look at a kind of guy who can fit that system pretty well. He can bootleg. he can throw on a run. He's not a great pocket quarterback, but he can he can move and I like the legs. So I like the upside opportunity moving down, you know, down the field. And, and I, look at, I like the offense around him. I mean, it goes Dalvin Cook. You got, you know, Jefferson. He's got a nice Nucleus. That's something he becomes a quarterback in the two year, a year or two. I'm looking at a nice little, maybe possible gem in this, you know, fourth round or fifth round, I should say.
1: Yeah, I'll talk about I'll on a little bit on pause so you can make your next pick. Uh, yeah, look, everything I heard when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings was that they were going to sit Pat, and if Justin Fields fell to them, they were going to take him. And when the Chicago trade up in front of them, that's when they decided to trade back. That that was so they were clearly looking at a top end quarterback. Clearly, the plan is to move on from Kirk Cousins at some point. Uh, do you think Kellen Mond can be the guy, Chad?
4: No, I don't personally. I think that's he's. A uh, yeah, I I think he's going to. I think his purpose is to be a backup quarterback, and he's going to do a good job of that.
1: I agree with that Don't I don't, don't think, he, I just I don't saw think you that he's face.
4: yeah I I just don't think that he's the guy who's going to replace Cousins personally. I think if they're going to replace Cousins, they're going to pick someone who will be able to go right into that role and be able to produce day one.
1: Is a playoff team and Mike Zimmer yeah, that's it. you know yeah. I don't, I don't know how many years he's going to want to be coaching, to be honest. He's getting up there in age. So I don't see them going through a big rebuild project. And Kellen Mon, he's a guy you take a shot on later in your draft because that's what they did. He, but he's, I mean, the nicest way to put it is he's a developmental project. I don't see him ever really getting on the field, though. Um, but in this instance, not a bad pick, Chris, because, yeah, it is clear that Kirk Cousins doesn't seem to be in the future plans necessarily. So let's let's skip ahead because next string was a bunch of quarterbacks. He had a Felipe Franks. Of no consequence, Quentin Morris, uh, Sam Engler, and then Davis Mills, which was probably the joke of all jokes in the real NFL draft. So, Chris, let's talk about Tillon Wallace. You going with there in your fifth round pick?
2: Yeah, I was kind of I was hoping that Long was going to fall to me there, but once he was off the board, um, I kind of looked at a player that I want to have uh, the most talented to me. They talked about you know how your 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 vision is kind of always take the guy with the most talent out there, and I looked at my positions. Uh, The only thing that kind of was hard for me was passing on Hawkins because he does have some clear-cut opportunity to play in Atlanta backfield. Um, But I went with the guy who I think is the most talented, and I think that you you and I kind of talked off air before about Marquise Brown's future in Baltimore. We're not necessarily guaranteed that we think he's going to get a second year or second uh, contract offer. So I think this guy has actually an opportunity to become the starter at some point, and him and, you know, Bateman moving forward have a nice little tandem. Um, and I think he kind of fills that role. He's an explosive player. You can use him in the slot. You can use him outside. Um, so I like the upper, upside opportunity.
1: Yeah. I, I, Adam, you drafted him in our last one, wasn't it you? Oh, uh, let me double check. I think it was Adam <laughs> I who drafted I, I him I did not. last. You I did not. Oh. Well, regardless, I know that was one of the guys that were on your board. So, uh, yes, one of my one of my things was you know Marquise Brown may what we talked about last week and Chris referring to may not be there past you know his rookie contract year, and then it could open the door for Tylan Wallace be on the other side of Bateman. I think the question is, can Lamar Jackson can this offense really sustain two receivers? We're already asking the question about one. Could ever ever sustain two? Because Tylan Wallace, somebody we're talking about for twenty twenty two and beyond. <clears throat>
3: yeah. Uh, oh yeah, uh, I, I like him, and I, and I, you're right. It does come down to uh, what happens with um, Lamar. Like, do they pass more? Does he throw to the outside more? Um, you know, we've seen Mark Andrews in the inside be productive, but nobody, you know, hanging out in the perimeter has been all that productive under Lamar. Uh, it, you know, we are asking the question: uh, Will Bateman be able to to curb that? And, you know, early on, I think we'll be asking the same thing with Wallace. Now, if Marquise Brown moves on and, uh, you know, they start throwing a little bit more, then maybe you'll see Till and Wallace, you know, move over into the slot and get some, some t- uh, targets there as well. I think he's someone that you, like a Devonta Smith, like a, a poor man's version, that you move between the two, you'd move them around a lot. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I think there is long-term value there, but it all depends on if they, you know, they're like we want to run Lamar into the dirt or if we want to like start passing a little more because I, I think Lamar is capable it's just whether or not they choose to do that with the
2: offense second contract
1: and that's what's going to come down to does he get the second contract or not
2: uh no, Adam, I'm, talking about Lamar, I'm talking about Lamar, Lamar second contract when that we've seen historically when that running quarterback gets that offer that big offer that second year we see the guys not run nearly as much. We saw Josh Allen not run nearly as much last year. We've seen Carson Wentz not run as nearly as much. We've seen Colin Kaepernick didn't run nearly as much about Greg Roman. And I also question is Greg Roman going to be there much longer if he doesn't start throwing the ball. Harbaugh doesn't play games with the offensive coordinators. People kind of forget about that. He moves on from him if you ain't doing what he wants you to do. And I think that we kind of saw the morning week. and Roman got his opportunity. I wouldn't be surprised if they, they kind of falter and become too run-oriented and they're not going to have their franchise quarterback, they're paying $40 million, running around all the time, there, there'll be they'll be some changes.
1: The thing is, of the quarterbacks you mentioned, the only one I think that compares is Colin Kaepernick, the rest of them. Lamar Jackson, his game is built on his legs. The rest of those guys, it was a factor, but I wouldn't say that's the first piece of their game. Where it is Josh long. Allen, that wasn't the
2: first part of his game? That was mm-hmm. Josh Allen's first part of his Josh Allen.
1: No, his, his cannon just was his first just part of his game. and then, and then his legs. Allen. Yeah. So, I, so a fantasy
2: worthy. A, Josh Allen was throwing the boss Is how he was fantasy relevant before. I'm so talking. Fast, before you're talking
1: year. about contract in the NFL standpoint. That's not a fantasy question that you put out there. It, it's it's who are they? Where are they known for? The only one that was known for his legs first, as far as what he brought to the table from an NFL standpoint, was Colin Kaepernick, and he goes with the Greg Roman system. So that's the only part where I would agree with you. With, however, even Lamar Jackson is more is more linked to having to be run first as part of his game. While I agree with you, the idea when you get that second contract, you're more expensive. You don't want to get hurt. I don't think in Lamar Jackson's case, you can totally go away from it. It might be more of a Cam. I'm not Newton saying situation. totally go away
2: from it. I'm not, don't get twisted. I'm not saying they're not going to
1: run enough. That it would even be significant. In my opinion, uh, I look at it more as like Cam Newton, where it never really went away. It can't ever really go away for Lamar, but I want to get Have to Adams RG3. pick here. Uh, Kylan Granson, tight end, Colts is an interesting situation with Kylan Granson, depending on what they're going to wind up doing at tight end themselves. So go ahead, get me through the process through that pick and a nice little sleeper there at the fifth round.
3: Yeah, uh, he is my favorite sleeper tight end now that we've had uh, things work out. Although uh, Team 11's Kenny Yaboa, I did I don't hate that one either. Uh, but yeah, so Kylan Granson, from all accounts, is going to go ahead and fill the uh, Burton role, which I mean. Once again in the fifth round, I think I can take my chances and take that. And also really as a receiving tight end as, um, you know, as, as we're getting there, Moally Cox is I think, his, his biggest uh, you know, true competition because I, at this point in his career, I think Jack Doyle is referred, reverting back to being more of a, a running t- or a, a run blocking tight end than that possession tight end that he, he was towards the end of the Andrew Luck era. I you know I think he's going to get continue to get less and less uh, targets. Uh, I don't think uh, Togiai or Jordan Thomas have you know I don't think they're real. I don't think they exist. Uh, so it's really Doyle, Moley game Cox game. and Granson um, and Moley Cox is someone that I like. I wish they would use him more. They don't and they for some reason have I once again I think they like the pigeonhole people and I think they've somehow reverted him back to being a blocker you know he he came in they liked him a lot a receiver um he got good at blocking and now they use him as a blocker and it's so odd to me but that's how that happens and I think you know you're gonna see Granson who has the size to do nothing but be a move tight end I think he has to get pigeonholed as the move tight end and if there's any tight end I want in that offense it's the move tight end so, really, as long as Ertz doesn't move over to Indy, then I feel really good about that pick. And in the fifth round, I can take that chance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then Chad followed that up with another tight end himself, Jacob Harris going to the range. Chad, take me through that process.
4: This, this, uh, this is my sleeper tight end of the year. This guy, he, he's a wide receiver converted into a tight end. Like I just, I think he's going to surprise some people. Everett, is still... Who's still sorry? Not Everett, Higby, who's still in, uh, who's still with the Rams. He is, he is a pass and run blocker for, first and for, foremost. He, 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 I believe he was third. He was the third highest run blocker in the league for tight ends. He's going to keep that role. They're going to, they're going to have his Harris, kid, who is a wide receiver. That's what he, that's what he profiles as. He's going to be catching those balls. And if I'm going to take a bet on any la uh tight end this year it's going to be harris
1: i like that's going to that's another super, for a tight end class super week go ahead chris
2: so darren waller i mean that's how darren waller came into the pro catch okay. after the sixth round he's converted receiver now he's you know he's a fantasy stud so i think that's a hell of a shot take that, that by chad took in there it was a smart move
1: yeah, what I was going to lead it to is for a tight end class that was so weak because certain ones like Brunson, like Harris, actually fell into certain situations that they did. There's actually a little bit more value later on than I think people mm-hmm. realize. So that's a very nice picks there at the end. that A lot of people aren't really talking about. Yeah, Harris coming in, he fills that Everett role pretty well. Will he get to do in 2021? Yeah, Maybe she, to some extent, yeah. but down the road will definitely be more of, of, of a, a, a mindset. Uh, I finished it off. My missed, well, I had the last pick of the draft, so Mr. Irrelevant, Anthony Schwartz uh, the Cleveland Browns. I'm more just going off the idea here that if OBJ's not traded this year, he's going next year. I don't think Higgins is that great of a receiver. Somebody's going to have to take the top off. I'm going for a home run threat here. I'm more looking at Anthony Schwartz as somebody who I'm hoping I get a couple of games skid out of and then we we'll be able to turn around and flip because there's a lot of people out there who like his electric ability uh, as far as what he can bring to the table and what his role in this offense could be, so let's do this quickly. We'll start with Adam. Give me the best team out of us, not your own.
3: Go, um, uh, Dan, you really kill yourself with that terrible pick. Let me tell you, it, The computer. I hate Thank the you. computer. It, <laughs>
1: dude, it really screwed. Me, it really screwed me up bad because I was
3: like, that's not what I wanted to do there. Um. I think, you know, I I like your, your first three rounds more, but I think by the end of it, I think I've gotta go uh go with Chris, who I think I went with last time. Um but you know, I, I think the value of Wallace there at the end. I think the computer did you a lot better with Fitzpatrick than Dan got with Tremble. And uh, you know, the, the Lawrence uh Moore pairing is is fantastic.
1: Yeah, I like uh, that too. Chad, who who's yours?
4: Mine is Adams. I love the the quarterback uh, in the first two rounds. There, you're set. Like you said, you you can easily plug them both the next year to start the season, right? Uh, your wide receiver Smith. I love the pick. I understand what you're where you're coming from, but at the same time, that's a long. In my opinion, it's a long-term project. Well, awesome pick in the fourth round with his draft capital. I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't take it. I was hoping he would come to me in the fifth. That's who I was gonna. I was gonna snag there, but alas you got him. And then Granson, like you said, I, I read the same thing about uh Trey Burton that he's gonna be filling that role if if uh the coach is not uh lying to us here. But I will say in on that note though, I just I just don't feel comfortable with any Indianapolis wide receiver or I would be more comfortable targeting their tight end than any of their wide receivers. So uh that's, that's pretty much why I like your team the most. Yeah, I think you have the your setup for really the hit 2021 going good.
1: Yeah, I'm actually I'm torn between Chris and Chad. Um, I think I'm going to give the nod to Chris only because he gets Trevor Lawrence at the fifth pick in a super flex, which will be huge <laughs> down the road. <laughs> so it's hard to kind of ignore that part of it. Plus, I like Elijah Moore, Plus, I like Fitzpatrick. Yeah you know, Ma the four, talent at the five, but I really like Chad's draft as well. As far as how balanced it was, he's got a lot of good long-term value. I don't know how much, how much going to help you in 2021, but let's assume, you know, this, if this wasn't a startup and you're picking the a spot, you probably have a pretty good team at that, at that point. So that's kind of what you're looking at there. Um, I will give the nod to Chris though as far as overall the impact between this year, moving down the future Mm -hmm. uh, and overall like that. So Chris, now you're last on the board. Who's your favorite, not your own?
2: Uh, This is tough for me because I look at the first two rounds and I love yours and Adam's draft right off the bat. I mean, Fields and Carter building around. I think that's a home run there. Adam with the two quarterbacks. I think guys who could possibly be the two best quarterbacks in this draft and when it's all said and done. Um, But we guys both kind of lost me in the third round. Um and then I do like Adams kind of kinda of came back in the fourth and fifth round. I wasn't a big fan of your last two rounds. And I looked throughout the entire draft and I actually, while I'm not a big fan of many of the players on his team, I think Chad is gonna be my the guy I actually go with. I think he has the most depth. I think he has a good you know starting quarterback, he's got a good organization he's kind of going into. I think Ronald Moore is a great is a steal in the second round. Uh, Josh Palmer has opportunity to play not only this year, but moving forward, could be easily become a number two receiver and possibly even something more than that. Um, you know, Keenan Allen's not super young out there, so it could be interesting, you know, him and Herbert, they build a rapport, what can kind of happen with them, and then I look at kind of his last two rounds, the Chuba Hubbard, I don't think Hubbard's necessarily going to replace McCaffrey, but I do think there's a lot of rumors McCaffrey's contract is going to be in some, you know, Carolina might move on sooner than later, and I also think that when you look at just playing together, um, we saw, he, as long as he's the coach there, off the quarter, I should say, that he does use another running back a lot of times, Edward Teller was a running back used in LSU. I can see McCaffrey being utilized in different places, different places of the formation, and Hubbard getting an opportunity to get some of the carries. I think that's one of the things they're going to try to focus on is keeping McCaffrey kind of healthy, not giving him so many touches like they have in the previous regimes and maybe keeping him healthy longer if they're going to you know, keep him. So Hubbard's got some value not just now I and mean, down the road, but also I think now some sneaky value for touchdowns especially. And then I look at the last two you know, picks. Um, I'm sorry, sorry, last pick was Jacob Harris, and I talked about Darren Waller. I mean, if we're going to have a guy in the fifth round who hits, it could be this guy who's you, prototypes a lot like that. You know, the Darren Waller type, big, tall, strong, fast, um, didn't really have the body to block necessarily coming out. But we saw Darren Waller, you know, it took him a little while, He got cut from Baltimore and moved on to Oakland. But all it takes is that right coach to kind of utilize you. So as long as Sean McVay's out there and as the coach, we've kind of seen the Rams have converted to what the, their talent basically around them. Um, I think that you look at Matthew Stafford as a quarterback who likes to throw the ball down the field. He likes to throw it to the scene routes. So Ebron be productive. We've seen even Pettigrew has years here and there. So I think you know, Chad overall has the most high throughout his entire team.
1: Yeah, I like it. So Chad and Chris tie for the post draft rookie draft. We will be back, guys, in two weeks. We're gonna get into the uh the brainstorm sesh behind the scenes, figure out what we're gonna talk about. It's all going to be good, no matter what it is. We'll be back here at eight thirty at Belly Up Fantasy Tommy on Facebook on Twitter. Was that?
2: It's the Tommy Tremble Superstar. That's what we're talking about?
1: Tommy Tremble's Janu Smith. What are you talking about? that's not even that's for me. Exactly. It's Tommy Tremble Superstar. <laughs> uh, so we're going to happy to have Chad back again. We'll be seeing a lot more of him, and we'll be uh, make sure you're checking us out at Belly Up Fantasy because we have a lot of articles coming out. There's a lot of things to talk about now. The draft is over. The schedule comes out soon. Uh, rankings are going to start to come out. Projections are going to start to come out. Uh, every, everything. The season's heating up, guys. I, it's May. We're, we're close. We're getting the summer. Training camps around the corner. Players. Are, and this year, unlike last year, we're actually going to see OTAs. I mean, there's going to be information. Think, uh... There's going to be information. You want to stay up with the player news notifications? Follow at Belly Up Fantasy. Follow at Belly Up MDFF Show because they'll be out there 24-7. First, Adam, tell everybody where to follow you at, man.
3: Yeah, at Leroux Adam on, uh, on Twitter, uh, L-H-E-U-R-E-U-X. Uh, Adam, it's this backwards without the apostrophe. Uh, it should be pretty easy to find. Um, yeah.
4: Chad, where can we check you out? You guys can find me right – oh, where – there. <laughs> there you go. There we go.
1: At FF Coffee break, and Chris and I will be back from 11 a.m. to 1230 this Friday. Friday. We'll be draft recapping. Let's see if I can remember all eight teams on top of my head. Uh, the Broncos, Eagles, Bears, Cowboys, Vikings, Chargers, Patriots, and Cardinals. Cardinals. Those are the eight teams that we are going to be recapping from a fantasy standpoint and giving out, well, Chris will give out his draft grades from an NFL standpoint as well. So make sure to check that out on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Everybody,
0: take care.
4: Have a good night, guys.
0: Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the U.K. for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Bet Fred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call one 800 bets all. OFF.